This episode of Talk Your Book is proudly brought to you by Honan, providing a complete range of insurance, risk, and financial solutions. Bundy's called me up, told me to take a look, but stay stubborn as bulls and talk their own book. Get the money, get the money, get, get the money. Well, Luke Smith, thanks very much for coming on Talk Your Book. I thought it'd be a good place to start if you walked us through Ausbill and, uh, and maybe the resources fund that you manage there. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Appreciate you having me on. Um, yeah, firstly, in terms of Ausbill, uh, we're, we're a boutique fund manager, fund manager based out of uh, out of Sydney. Uh, get a bit over eleven bill of, or roughly eleven bill of fund. Uh, in terms of our um, investment style, it's defined as core, which you know, sort of means that we're style agnostic, you know, growth or or value. Um, you know, we, we look at things from a top down and bottom up perspective. So we're um, you know, really, you know, including the macro in our decision-making process around stocks more broadly, and and really, we've got a big focus around around earnings as, as the key driver for for stocks more more broadly. And then, in terms of my position at, at Ausbill, um, myself and a colleague cover resources um, sector for for the team, but we also uh, run and, and and I'm one of the two uh, portfolio managers on on uh, Ausbill's Global Resources Fund. Uh, that, that kicked off uh, you know, roughly two, two and a half years ago. Like it's a it's a long short fund. We, we aim to make money through the cycle. You know, aim to protect capital in the in the lows of the cycle and and then participate in uh, in the upside. And we'll get into the stock you want to talk about shortly. But what's your helicopter view of the resource sector at the minute? Yeah, we we like it. We uh, we think we we think we're at a early stages of a, a multi-year bull cycle. Um, Obviously, I'm biased, so, so I have to say that. But at least, uh, like if you're long or short, you're not completely biased, are yeah, you? Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Resource stocks. Yeah, no, agreed. So, uh, and we've had a bit to, to work through, but um, yeah, look, really, our, our thesis around you know what, what we're heading into is is that the commodities demand is is strong and, and accelerating. You know, China's really put the hammer down post um, you know, the COVID lockdown that uh, that we had early in the year. The rest of the world is is um, recovering, and, and it's going to benefit from all the stimulus that's um, that's been injected into into the system. And then at the same time, you know, there's issues around supply as well, and and um, you know, these COVID-related uh, shutdowns in the key producing nations, you know, clearly supporting you know, commodities at the moment. But but ultimately, over the medium term, there's just been a lack of investment in, in new supply. That you know, really for us, you know, those those both accounts, you know, should have the market tight. For a number of years to come and, and that's ultimately supportive for resources equities as well. And what stock do you want to talk about today? I'm going to talk about uh, Northern Star Resources, you know, good gold stock. It's the, it's the second largest uh, gold stock on uh, on the ASX with a, a 10 bill market cap. It's got pretty much everything that we look for in, in gold companies. You know, like I said, um, you know, we're focused on both top down and, and bottom up and and uh, yeah, clearly that's supportive you know, for, for, um, on, on both fronts there. It's got a diversified and growing in, um, production base in, in tier one locations, and it's got an exceptional management team. So um, yeah, just to point reinforce, you know, while I can't make an investment recommendation, you know, hopefully some of this gives a, a good background on the story regardless. And what's your top-down view on gold before we dive a little bit deeper into to NST? 
Yeah, we, we like it. Um, yeah, gold's had an exceptional run this year. Uh, it's up, you know, roughly thirty odd percent so far this year, and and um, it was probably worth outlining the key drivers for that. But um, yeah, really, just you know, highlight that we, we think those drivers are going to be continued um, over the medium term. You know, firstly, there's a high correlation to negative real interest rates, and and um, uh, you know, that, that's the, the starting point for, for gold as, 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 a, as, a, as a start. Um, you know, central banks are looking to support economies in general and, and um, you know, really drive stimulus into the system with, uh, with, with where rates are at the moment. You know, secondly, in terms of the, the currency environment, you know, it's extremely supportive, one, for gold, but also for the broader resources space as well, that um, you know, this weak US dollar environment, you know, devaluation of fiat currencies is is very supportive for, for the commodity. And then just finally, just that heightened, you know, sort of macro uncertainty across the real economy as well feeds into a discussion around gold as, as well. And, and, you know, really that's been a, a big driver behind you know, commodity this year. We've seen record inflows in, into the gold ETFs more, more broadly. You know, we're starting to see non-traditional players, you know, like pension funds, you're starting to see news flow start to play in, in, into the commodity as well. And, Look, those key drivers aren't going away anytime soon and we'll likely see this environment maintained. And then finally, I don't know if I've given you enough points, but then finally, you know, the next question just comes back to inflation and, you know, there's a potential for an inflationary environment to, to rear its head given the level of stimulus that we're, um, we're seeing and, and, um, and really, you know, the Fed outlined recently that they're going to let that run and, and, and that's another factor that, that clearly could support the commodity as well, that, that gold's a, a, um, a solid inflation hedge. Does the optionality of a deflationary bust give you comfort as well? That if there is a short-term deflationary environment, the amount of printing that the central banks are going to embark on to try and stop that is going to be even more obscene. And that optionality of either high inflation or deflation being good for gold, does that give you a bit of comfort as well? Yeah, it's it's just going to reinforce the the value of physical assets in that environment. You know, clearly, so um, it's not going to be a straight line in terms of how the commodity plays out. We've seen that more recently in terms of some of the volatility within gold more broadly. But um, with this backdrop, it, it's it's hard to fault at the moment from a macro standpoint. And so in terms of Northern Star, recently took an investment in Superpit in Kalgoorlie. Maybe talk us through uh, what they've done there. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, I guess as a, as a start starting point around some of the background for, for Northern Star, um, you know, this is a, a, you know, effectively a 10-year-old company. You know, it started, you know, Mid sort of 2010 market cap of 10 million. You know, now the company's you know 10 billion odd. You know, sort of it's a real success story. One of of the mining space, but but of, of the ASX more broadly for, for the last decade. You know, you know, sort of outlined a couple of real drivers behind that, and and you know the starting the, the heart of it all is is this management team and the management, the operational team that um, that are you know sitting behind this this business that have really you know like I said, dri- driven the success of this business. Now, to, to your question around Superpit, you know, Superpit's going to be another example from our perspective that, you know, reinforces, you know, the, the success that this management team has, you know, its operations. They've been highly successful in the past in buying assets and turning them around. You know, there's, there's a, you know it comes down to one, either an operational turnaround, productivity enhancements, or, 
you know, really putting the foot down in terms of, of exploration and, and improving these assets in general. So, you know, specifically around the super pit, they picked up a, a 50% stake off, off Newmont late last year. Um, you know, that followed on from Saracen, who, who similarly picked up a, a 50% stake in, in the asset um, uh, earlier in the year from, from Barrick. So effectively, you, you've gone from a, an asset that sat in the hands of the, the gold majors for, you know, for some time to now sitting in the hands of, you know, two very nimble um, operators, um, you know, Australian gold miners that um, you know, have extremely complementary skill sets, whether it's open pit mining or underground mining that um, you know the two companies you know effectively you know specialise in and and um, yeah we're already seeing some some of the benefits start to to wash through there they've held the asset for less than twelve months you know the reserves have, have grown by fifty percent already you know they've outlined a production case that um, you know will similarly see production grow by fifty percent over um, over the medium term as well and. And look, at the moment, you know, like I said, they haven't held it for a long time and, and we think some of the assumptions there are, are conservative as well. And, and this is an asset that's going to have um, yeah, material impact on, on the company for, for some time to come. What about the 2018 acquisition of the Pogo asset in Alaska? How's that travelling in its, in its turnaround? Um, yeah, that, that's another asset that um, they picked up, you know, like you sort of highlighted two years ago, they picked it up off Sumitomo. As a first major investment, you know, for them outside of the, the country, and it's a similar discussion to the super pit. Um, you know, they're, they're buying an asset that's effectively been starved of capital for, for some time, you know, short mine life, but yeah, you know, very well capitalised asset as a starting point, high grade. Getting in there and, and um, you know exporting their um, their talent to to Alaska and, and um, you know, look to lift productivity, drop costs. You know, focus on exploration, breathe new life in, into this asset. And, um, you know, they're on, on the cusp of, of getting there at the start of the year. And, and um, unfortunately, you know, a thing called COVID um, stepped in and, and, and slowed down some of the progress there. You know, clearly it's um, you know, difficult to uh, you know, maintain that, that level of productivity and, and issues around travel and et cetera, that when you've got a, a workforce that, um, you know, is, is getting infections as well. So, you know, look, they're on the cusp of turning that asset around. It's been delayed somewhat, but uh, that, that doesn't mean that they're, they're not going to get there. And, and ultimately, you know, as they can get back in there and um, work the asset harder, that um, there's going to be real real potential at that asset, you know, both from uh, the existing operations, but then the near field expiration as well. And what does the medium term production growth look like across, across the entire entity? Yeah, well, look, you know, you start with those two assets that, that we've talked to and, and you throw in Jundee as well that um, you know, has got growth as well. And, and um, you know, like it's, a, it's a difficult situation for mining companies in general to maintain production. You know, these are finite resources. So, you know, we've got you know, a company sitting on three assets that are, that are um, you know, that are growing either at early stages of, um, of turnaround or, or just, you know, have growth through um you know, decent acquisitions that they've put in there and, and um, you know, we're expecting, you know, production growth, you know, in line with, you know, guidance, you know, for 25% over, over the um, the next couple of years. And, and the point to reinforce with that is that not only will they have, you know, this level of growth for the next two years, you know, likelihood that they maintain, you know, that sort of production at you know, sort of 1.3 million ounces, like, the, you know, the companies that are guiding to for the remainder of the decade. And, 
you know, with that as a backdrop, you know, they're, they're also dropping the cost base as well. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a unique situation where, you know, you've got a company of this size that's able to, to grow its, um, its asset base and, and um, you know, really should you know, provide a, a good backbone for the story. And relatively low hedging in place. I think their hedging levels are something around 15% of production. As a gold bull, does that give you comfort they're going to share in the upside if this gold price continues to run? Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's yeah, a really good point, and 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 you're right there in terms of the level of edging. That, that's um, yeah, that's, that's about the level that they've got. Um, yeah, that, yeah, some level of hedging, you know, is, is appropriate for, for these gold companies. What we're comfortable with that, but um, you know, at the same time, that yeah, you, you get your, your margin expansion as you know an environment that we're outlining to, that we can see that um, you know, gold price yeah, can continue to strengthen, and and therefore, you know. Th- to my point around cost reducing, you know, you should really see the, the full impact of, of margin expansion, you know, the current backdrop. Um, you know, there's, a, there's been, you know, very strong free, free cash flow generation out of this business already and um, and that's likely to continue. You know, there, there are you know, reasonable leaks of capital that they need to direct towards probably the super pit um, as a starting point, but, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of margin that's going to be uh, generated out of this business. And, and look, that's already been reflected in, you know, the special dividend that they paid at the recent result. But um, if anything, we're, we're likely to see, you know, free cash flow continue to, to strengthen in time. And their balance sheet looks really strong due to that free cash flow. Do you think there's potential other acquisition opportunities out there which would be a nice fit? Or do you think it'll be more used to, to pay increasing dividends going forward? Can't rule it out, but uh, I think they've got enough on their plate at the moment. There's uh, soup pits a beast. Uh, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of uh, work that they're going to put in there, and this is a 15-year you know, asset that, um, yeah, that they're uh, yeah, really going to accelerate in terms of production outputs. So um, I, I think they've got their hands full at the moment. I think you know, it's probably a... You know the the opportunities that are presented themselves. You know they were opportunistic when they when they picked it up through through time. Um, you can't rule it out, uh, but but I think you know the the M and A that we probably see from Northern Star in in the in the near term is is, is more likely to be you know sort of opportunistically that that can be you know, sort of tagged into the existing assets that we might see in Kalgoorlie or otherwise. It won't it won't be at the same scale that we've seen in recent years from from Northern Star. So. No and yes to, to some degree, yeah. but, uh, but I think there's, a, there's enough on their plate already. And talk to me about their valuation and, and maybe their, their free cash flow and what they're able to generate there in more detail. Yeah, sure. So, so you know, like, like I said, you've you got a company that you know, is generating strong free cash flow at the moment and that's going to improve in time. Consensus has them on an 8% free cash flow yield, yield um, yeah, and, and yeah, clearly that, that grows with the, the backdrop that I'm you know, sort of presenting. You know, that's, um, yeah, 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 it's ahead of its peers, and you know, both from a domestic perspective and an international perspective. So you know, not only have you got all of this as a backdrop, you've got a reasonably priced company as well as a starting point. And their assets are all in tier one jurisdictions. I sort of have a view that if you're really confident in the underlying commodity, it makes even more sense to be in tier one jurisdictions. If you're not as confident, it maybe makes more sense to be a bit more adventurous in the type of jurisdictions you're going to venture into. Do you subscribe to that factor at all or do you just have a heavy bias towards tier one jurisdictions in all environments? Well, I, th- I think the, the point is, is that, um, you know, you get a high quality company and, and uh, you've got lower risk. 
you know, yeah. that, that you've got all these things that I'm, that I'm outlining in terms of the positives, you know, around the story, you know, if it's the macro, if it's the bottom ups, turn around to these, these assets, you know, exceptional management team, you know, best in class, and you're not taking the risk in locations. So, so uh, becomes a, a, an easier investment decision, I guess, if you, um, if you don't, you don't have to take the risk on location. It's not saying that, that we won't, when we assess, you know, companies, you know, it's just about understanding that risk, but, um, it's not to say that there aren't risks within these these businesses and this business in particular, but um, but uh, removing that jurisdiction risk is is one positive um, that uh, yeah enables you to to um, you know, sleep easier at night. Beautiful, mate. You paint a, a great picture. It's always nice to get a gold ball on and, and give me a little bit more confirmation bias. So I uh, really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks, Chris. This episode of Talk Your Book was proudly brought to you by Honan, who go beyond a transactional insurance broker to deliver better outcomes for their clients. If you're enjoying Talk Your Book, make sure you subscribe to Chris Judd Invest.